1: Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. And um, before Let's Get Real, before Let's Get Real was a show. I did a different show for over two years previously on this network. It was called Why We Cook. Maybe you remember it. Um, and I created that show based on the work of a guy named Richard Wrangham, who's an author. He's a Harvard Harvard guy, and he wrote a book called Catching Fire: How Cooking Made Us Human. Now, I know I've talked about this all before here a couple of times on this show and on that show, um, but the show, the sorry, the book was about how harnessing fire, humans, you know, learning how to harness fire and learning how to cook our food or figuring out that we could cook our food is what pushed us ahead, evolutionarily speaking, of our ape cousins. It got us down out of the trees, got us working cooperatively together to hunt and gather and create fire and cook and it got us to sit down and face each other and socialize and that the act of actually cooking our food rather than just eating whatever we came across in the moment you know whole without any planning ahead is what gave us that great evolutionary advantage it socialized us it made us sit down face to face and it also allowed us to ingest much more protein because Cooked meat is a lot easier to chew and a lot easier to digest than raw meat. And so that's what gave us these big brains. That's how humans got the big brain and the smaller gut and allowed us to do things other than look for food all day, which is what we had been doing. And so it gave us time to invent things like agriculture and language and TV and the internet and Uggs. And all that was the premise of why we cook. Um but I also talked a lot about cooking and food and food culture and all kinds of like kind of highbrow-y, Radio, NPR kind of stuff, and about how cooking made us who we are and what we are today, which are humans, not animals, not animals in the sense that we think of them, at least, you know, Jersey Shore notwithstanding, of course. And um, in order to harness fire and figure out how to cook and provide for your tribe, you had to be responsible and organized and take charge, as in like those skills that we kind of identify with what happens when you become an adult. A little kid can't make fire, well, at least you hope they don't make fire, or kill a deer or organize a meal. I mean, those are those are adult skills. You can start to learn them as children. I started to learn them when I was young, but you... You had to, you know, back then in those early human years because adulthood came early and your life only lasted 30 or 40 years probably. So you started learning pretty early on. But ultimately feeding kids has always been the job of adults. The parent feeds the child. That's how it works. That's how nature designed it. That's how we do it. That's how animals do it. The parent acquires the knowledge, applies it, and then ultimately teaches it to the child. Here's how you kill the deer. Here's how you build the fire. Here's how you skin the deer. Then gut it. Here's how you cook it. Don't eat the dirt and the old leaves from the cave floor. Drag yourself away from staring at those cave wall paintings and come sit down right now and eat your deer, which I just spent hours making for you. That would have been the conversation you would have heard 15,000 years ago in your typical household. So the responsibility of adulthood meant that you made sure that your offspring ate the right stuff. It was a biological imperative because it guaranteed survival. Feed them cooked deer and berries and wild plants that you foraged for them, and then they would survive. There were no other options available. Sorry, that's what you get. And you certainly wouldn't have fed them anything that wasn't good for them, that wasn't nutritious, or that was poisonous, or that you didn't recognize as food. You wouldn't just pick up some random object you found on the ground and say, here, eat this. Looks like food. I mean, that would go against the whole point of parenting, which is to raise a healthy child who then learns how to fend for themselves, who teaches that to their children, and each generation is healthy and empowered and a little stronger and a little better. But 10,000 years of agriculture and science and profit and Monsanto have passed, and that's done something really interesting to us. It's kind of taken us full circle because now we don't just have food, we have you-know-what. It's that little something that I like to call foodiness. And foodiness is an unfortunate invention of progress and technology and surplus, and it's causing de-evolution. Instead of progress leading us to a food pinnacle, it's brought us to a nadir. It's like we were right there, about to be at the peak of the mountain, of food progress about a hundred years ago with apples bred to be bigger and corn designed to be more nutritious and all the meat we could eat. And instead we fell into a chasm or as I love to put it, a rabbit hole, specifically a rabbit hole of manufactured food doppelgangers pretending to be better than food and that we don't have to make ourselves. It's made for us. And of course the conceit of foodiness whether it's fiber bars or protein shakes, veggie chips, smart water, garden burgers, is that we're liberated from having to prepare food ourselves. Like washing machines liberated us from having to hand wash our clothes or the remote control liberated us from having to get off the couch and turn off the news so we could watch Gilligan's Island instead. But by freeing us from selecting food and preparing food and cooking food, foodiness also took away the responsibility of adulthood. And instead encourage childlike eating. Not only in the sense that someone else was doing the thinking and planning and cooking for us, but by feeding us what children want, i.e. cookies, candy, Kool-Aid, and telling us that it's good for us. By turning us into adult children who eat whatever we're fed we now just open our gaping pie holes to whatever happens to come by our lazy boy chair or through our car window, unquestioningly ingesting food-like substances that a hugely profitable corporate entity slash parent says you should eat. Ignoring 10,000 years of human food history and eating things our ancestors wouldn't know what to do with, if they should eat them or if they should... I don't know what, stick them up their butts, hijacking a parent's best interest for their kid, which the kid would innately understand and not question, and taking over that parental role. Ideally, parents have their kid's best interest in mind. We assume that. We hope for that. And parents do it out of love or biology or obligation. What they don't do it for is profit. Parents don't sell food to their kids. We hope. But foodiness assumes the role of parent and it makes the food decisions and it creates the menu. And then it takes a profit, a huge profit. And it's not like corporate foodiness in the kitchen is making us a nutritious home cooked meal meant to nourish us body and soul. They're making shit made out of surplus corn sweetened with chemicals to taste like cookies that are killing us. Maybe what I should do is change the name of this show. To why we don't cook. So that's kind of what it's all about. And because the great parental foodiness monster wants us kids to love it. And love what it feeds us. It never changes the formula of the formula. The colors and flavors and textures change for different ages. But it's still the same stuff. From infancy to incontinence corn syrup and soy milk powder based formula at birth through corn syrup and soy milk powder based ensure at the end and a long fat sick life in between of chocolate fiber bars and gummy bear vitamins and pretend whole grain cereals and omega-3 cookies it makes us dependent on them suckling the giant corporate boobs of an endless stream of cheap sweet fun and easy colorful no cooking involved foodiness no real food necessary and how do you know in life or how you, or, and you know how in life you do things, put it that way, you know how in life you learn from your parents and then you grow up and you leave the nest or you leave the cave or you leave the suburban split level house and you go out into the world and you apply the lessons and the knowledge that they taught you and become independent and stuff like that. How do you know how to do all that? Well, if you don't learn to feed yourself from your parents, except for how to tear the wrapper off a fiber choco bar, then you're still a dependent, infantilized diaper wearer. And foodiness wants that to keep you in an infantilized state where we can walk around all day with plastic, sippy bottles of brightly colored drinks that we can just keep sucking on. And eating food that requires no fork or knife, just our fat little fingers, and occasionally the few remaining teeth. Foodiness and fanalizing is about dependency, I think. In the past, I've discussed that foodina- foodiness infantilizes us by preparing everything for us, so we can't make anything ourselves, and we never see real food to begin with. I mean, you can look back at my other episodes. Soup doesn't come in a can. Performance doesn't come in bar food. Or by making everything taste like candy or cookies or Kool-Aid, Like in my episode, vodka doesn't taste like chocolate. Or if it tastes like candy, it is. But this show is about why foodiness manufacturing wants to infantilize the population and how it encourages infantilization across the board in a person's life. There's so much of it in our lives now, so much that infantilizes us, from devices that tell us where we are to social media that tells us who our friends are just screens literally everywhere blaring corporate propaganda at us non-stop. And it's all so comfortable and convenient and we're all buying it hook, line, and sinker that I want to just stop for a second and pose a question. Is infantilization a bad thing? Yes. The answer is yes. Infantilization is a bad thing. Why? Because what it creates is complete Dependency. Dependence means you aren't independent. And if you're completely dependent, someone else is making all your decisions for you. And who's making those decisions? Well, that depends on who you ask. The Tea Party and the right wing say it's the government. That big government is making decisions for you. Which is pretty hilarious since the government is all about letting big businesses govern themselves. Self-regulation has been the name of the game since the Reagan years no it's not the government it's corporate America what my guest Christian Wortman a few weeks ago calls big food and I call big foodiness which is taking surplus corn slurry which by the way is a product of terrible farm policies designed to help big agriculture flavoring it like candy and telling you it's providing you all of the nutrition you need The point is that foodiness nutrition isn't nutrition. I've explored this on many shows, like there's no such thing as whole grain Captain Crunch. It's sugar, it's artificial flavoring, and it's chemicals. But that dependency I mentioned before informs the faith in corporate foodiness. It says it's giving me my fiber, so it is. It says it's giving me my omega-3s, so it must be. It says it's giving me protein, so it's got to have it. My big corporate foodiness mommy knows just what I need in my bottle, in my lunchbox, on my dinner plate, and in my snack at every event and activity-filled childhood. But fiber doesn't come from candy bars, and omega-3s don't come from cookies, and protein doesn't come from shakes. Fiber comes from fruit and vegetables. Omega-3s come from little oily fish, and protein comes from meat and beans, The dependency that foodiness is evoking in the population is shutting down people's ability to think for themselves and see the obvious. That you're not socializing. You're alone at home on your computer. That music doesn't come from computer programs. It comes from instruments played by actual people. That a strawberry-flavored vitamin gummy bear is not a strawberry. And if you can't see that, Then you can't see anything. That's the point of this show that the dependency problem is much bigger than food. There's a reason we don't let children decide what they're going to eat. There's a reason that they're not in charge. They can't discern what's good for them or bad for them, and they're naive to the power of sweet and sugar and fat. They're programmed to want it biologically but they're overwhelmed by it. Foodiness is the same thing. It's the great feeding parent that takes away the power of choice from the consumer while instead giving them the illusion of massive choice, so much choice that we're overwhelmed and we can't think for ourselves. How do you choose a flavor of flavored yogurt when there are 50 flavors of yogurt to choose from, and yet they still all taste like pie? And because they're feeding you sweets and sugar and fat, but most adults, most adults know better than to eat junk food all day. They just package the junk food as healthy food. So the idea is you can eat candy bars and get your fiber. And if you don't have time to eat fiber from fruit and vegetables, no problem. You're too busy with all that tweeting and talking and following and friending. And fruits and vegetables don't taste as good as candy bars. And you can just take a bar with you in your purse or your gym bag and get your fiber without having to peel an orange or cook a carrot. And even though it tastes just like a candy bar and has pictures of giant chocolate chips on the wrapper because it says fiber on the wrapper, we totally believe that that's what we're getting. Just like Facebook has revealed recently that we're all just a bunch of insecure teens obsessed with popularity, foodiness has proven that we are completely and totally gullible and will believe anything we're told. But the Tea Party has it all wrong. It isn't the government that's controlling what we eat. It's corporate America, which has brainwashed Americans into believing that it's the government, which is a red herring because corporate America controls the government. Here's the formula, as it were. just knows people like sweet and salty and fatty, just like little children. But because most people believe They are adults. They won't necessarily eat candy bars and cookies for lunch and dinner. So foodiness makes candy bars and cookies but puts things in them like all your fiber and writes that on the box, people will eat it and think that they're being adults. It's totally Orwellian. Orwell got it wrong that the government would be all-controlling, but he got it right in that there would be an all-controlling force in our lives which is corporate America. Foodiness is making you fat and sick, but brainwashing you into believing that you are a powerful adult making choices. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more about dependency and infantilization.
0: Today's show is brought to you by Hearst Ranch Grass-Fed Beef. Available on the internet at hearstranch.com.
1: Welcome back to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica White, your host. Remember that if you love this show or any other Heritage Radio show, or even if you just like, you can listen to any of them on heritageradionetwork.com. At any time. They're also all available on iTunes, so you can listen to them anytime for free. And if you like this show, you can find me at Let's Get Real Show on Twitter or Let's Get Real on Facebook, or you can go to my website, Let's Get Real Show.com, and you can also listen to any show I've done on there. Plus, you can read my vlog, my foodiness blog. So, anyway, I suppose it's all about how you define adulthood. Real adulthood isn't defined by the trappings of adulthood, like a job or a salary or a house or a car or spouse. Adulthood is defined by independence. Childhood is defined by dependence. So if you have an SUV and a McMansion and three kids and a spouse, but you buy cookie-flavored cereal with faux whole grains... You are dependent Independence is knowing that whole grains come from things like Steel cut oats and brown rice and whole barley And if you want whole grains You have to get them there And to not believe The cereal box just because it has a picture Of a grainy looking field Waving fields of grain Because it's not even actual grains That they're showing It's what what they think We think grains look like But How would we know Let's think about how dependency and foodiness is causing dependency and infantilization across the board. Let's look at the evidence. How about adults who have endless cell phone conversations like teenage girls used to have in their bedrooms, but they're having those endless cell phone conversations on street corners or right in front of the subway entrance or right in front of the door you're trying to get out of or while they're on a bus or a train for six hours or Devices, everyone's walking around dazzled by toys that they can't put down. Like a toddler who gets a new toy that they love so much that they take it to bed with them and they can't put it down. Or a fixation on how many friends they have. I mean, this is like as third grade as it gets. Or adults playing video games on the subway. Again, third grader. Not to mention adults on scooters. Those stupid little scooters. Why are adults riding around on those? Or apps that tell you what to like or what to watch or where to go. We're talking dependency. And we don't even know where we are anymore or how to get anywhere because we're so enabled by GPS. Using a GPS equals total dependence. Do you know how to read a map anymore? This is what moms do with their kids before the kids learn how to drive. They take them everywhere and they show them how to go everywhere. Foodiness makes you sick and fat, which then means you need pharmaceuticals, which make you more dependent and fatter and sicker. You eat the shit, you get diabetes, you get the meds, you eat the diabetic shit. Somebody once said that advertising is just feeding people back their own shit. Another example of dependency the Tea Party, Sarah Palin, George Bush. They're mentally challenged totally ignorant and people believe in them anyway you can't just make a stupid comment like obama is a socialist and not know that a you don't really know what socialism is or b that we already kind of have socialism here things like social security and medicaid and unemployment and libraries and public schools and interstate highways and parks or c that iraq had something to do with september 11th but it didn't But it doesn't matter. The population is so dependent and infantilized that they'll believe anything even when it's blatantly not true as long as someone keeps telling them that and the person with the loudest voice wins. And also, I'm really starting to think that by not giving the brain enough actual real nutrition, people are being made dumb by foodiness. How else do you explain Mitt Romney? I was in Utah in December. Utah is the Diet Coke capital of the United States. They drink more Diet Coke in Utah than any other state. I rest my case. Or The Real Housewives, or Jersey Shore, or Kim Kardashian, or Twitter, for that matter. There's another great but underrecognized recent film that illustrates, I think, perfectly how foodiness is really the turnkey to complete stupidity and gullibility on the part of the American population. It's a film called Idiocracy. And in this film, Luke Wilson and Maya Rudolph are people of average to lower than average intelligence who are transported to the future by the military only to find that everyone in the future is slow. I won't use the R word. Retarded. But you know what I mean. So the world is run by morons. And now Luke and Maya are the smartest people in the world. The president whose middle name happens to be Mountain Dew, makes Luke the Secretary of the Interior in order to figure out why the country has turned into a dust bowl, which is causing massive food shortages and destroying the economy. Kind of like when the Jodes hit the road. So that's when Luke Wilson's character discovers that the nation's crops are being irrigated, basically with Gatorade, a Gatorade-like sports drink named Brondo whose eponymous parent corporation has already purchased the FDA and the FCC. And they're using it to water the crops. What Idiocracy reveals so brilliantly is the cycle of foodiness. Corporate America feeds us shit, which makes us stupid, which makes us gullible, which leads to more foodiness, which makes us dumber. And in no time, we are totally dependent on foodiness and totally infantilized and totally stupid, heading for a complete destruction. And given that we already piss out all these smart waters and sports drinks right into our water supply which we then use to water our crops. Maybe idiocracy is already happening. It's just unfortunate that we're already in an idiocracy since that means that brilliant works can't be put into books meant for the ages or iconic films anymore like Silent Spring or Soil and Green because nobody will read them or see them. They have to be packaged in a children's film form like WALL-E or something like Idiocracy that are forgotten before they even come out. So on this very special episode of Let's Get Real, in which we go even further down the rabbit hole than usual, where we explore not just that foodiness isn't fanalizing us, but, but why... Let's go down even further into the rabbit hole to see deeper root causes. If you look down deeper, if you look at people on the street... Not unable to look up from their devices, but rather unwilling to look up. You can see that this is symptomatic of what we really suffer from, which is dependency on dependency. I know it's getting pretty deep here. We're not dependent on religion or community or social structures anymore, so we need forces to step in and control us completely. Otherwise, blind faith. Yes, blind faith is needed for dependency. We buy foodiness not because it's obvious that a box with a strawberry on it isn't a strawberry, but because we have blind faith in what we're being told. But not you, my dear listeners. You know better because you listen to Let's Get Real. You are truly independent. You listen to Heritage Radio. If you weren't truly independent, you'd be listening to Rush Limbaugh or watching Rachel Ray. And here's the power in understanding this. If you see the dependency and the bamboozle in foodiness and food, you'll begin to see it elsewhere. This show is called Let's Get Real. And a big part of the mission is to make eating more real food and less foodiness realistic. You don't have to move to a farm in the Pacific Northwest and wear unironic plaid flannel and poop in your compost pile and miss watching Breaking Bad just to eat real food. And in this case, to become more independent and less infantilized. You can change the pattern of dependency in what you eat in a way that's realistic and not overwhelming. Depends on how far the rabbit hole you already are, but basically, regardless, you can just make baby steps in the right direction. We're already a big bunch of babies. We can make baby steps. You're probably already pretty close to it. Like I said, you're a Heritage Radio listener. If you weren't, You wouldn't be listening to me. You'd probably be watching Sandra Lee. So here's an example. If you tend to eat things like fast food egg sandwiches or like frozen pre-cooked scrambled eggs, why don't you go out and buy some real eggs and cook them for yourself? I timed it. I bought frozen, pre-made scrambled eggs that you cook in the microwave, and I timed how long it takes to cook that versus how long it takes to actually cook an egg and cooking the egg. One, it doesn't take longer. And you don't have to get the pastured eggs and the heritage pig. It's better if you get all of that. Baby steps. Here's another example. My publicist and co-producer, Chris Nutter, who likes a cocktail and grew up in the South, drinking Jack Daniels, had veered off over the years, down the foodiness, booze, rabbit hole, into drinking raspberry-flavored vodka with Diet Sprite. I know. So when he met me and started working with me, I was horrified by this, and we we started working on his habits, and he started off by switching to non-flavored vodka, which is a big step. And then once he got used to that, he he dropped... The diet sprite, and he switched over to club soda with some lemon. And it's working out. He's enjoying that. His next step is he's going to go back to drinking dirty martinis. Because really, there's no substitute for that. So if you've been getting your protein from protein bars or protein shakes, try just buying protein, like some sliced turkey, or how about a can of sardines? That's even better, or beans. Instead of getting your fiber from a chocolate fiber bar, you could eat an apple. Or if your beverage has the word energy on it, you could just drink coffee. Because in both cases, the energy is from caffeine. But the coffee is real. That's actually a food. It's not something made in a factory. And then... Once you've made these small changes, these baby steps, you can start to look for the results in your life. It's always good to have results. It's positive reinforcement. It'll keep you on track. Maybe you suddenly begin to see that the Real Housewives are actually miserable barbarians and you start to watch more weeds or madmen or even RuPaul's Drag Race, like real adults do. Maybe you call up an old friend and you meet for drinks face-to-face in person instead of spending the night on Facebook, making it seem... Like you have a social life. Or maybe instead of staring at a GPS, the entire way to get somewhere that you've already been a hundred times, but you don't remember how to get to because the program is always telling you how to get there. Maybe next time you write down the directions or you look at a map or let yourself get lost. Sometimes interesting thing happens when you get lost. It also creates new neural pathways in your brain as you get older. So cooking made us human. It made us what we are. Foodiness is working to reverse that But don't let it Fight the power Put on your foodiness blocking goggles And go to the store If it's in a package Don't buy it And if that package is telling you That what is in it is good for you Then it has something to hide Real food doesn't have to tell you Anything It just speaks for itself Don't throw away 10,000 years of evolution on one shopping trip. Go out and kill that deer. Sweep out the cave, start the fire, and let's get real. Because it's either, either that or mega energy antioxidant sports tea parties that make the current tea party seem like fucking geniuses. Just look at the descent into Dante's inner circle that we've taken from Reagan to W., to sarah palin and consider the direction if you don't want that eat less foodiness and eat more real food and don't forget if you don't want to eat shit listen to let's get real that's it for tonight thanks for listening thanks to joe in the control room we'll see you next week